The year is 1997, and 20,000 fans that will gather in Montreal, Canada, would see one of the most controversial moments in wrestling history play out before their very eyes. Shock, confusion, and anger is some of the many feelings that will occur on this evening. The long-time feud between Brett, the Hitman Hart, and Sean, the Heartbreak Kid, Michaels, will come to an end in a very real fashion. Was there betrayal among many, many backstage? And ultimately, a decision with a boss named Vince McMahon. Join us tonight on Tap Out Talk as we witness the dark side of the ring, the Montreal Screwjob. We start out the show with Jim Cornette leading up our documentary cast, getting slots and interviews, and talking about the events and the planning stages as he was member of creative at the time of WWE. We also have on hand documentary cast member Bruce Pritchard, who was also a part of creative in WWE and Vince McMahon's right-hand man at the time. We also lent the ideas and thoughts of Eric Bischoff, lead guy over in WCW that actually would add his side of the story from the competitor standpoint where Bret Hart ultimately would end up. We also get hands-on interviews from Bret Hart giving his thoughts and his very real feelings on the situation. And the guy that was living with possibly the most regret of them all on this fatal night was Earl Ebner, a referee of the match, who reclaims and revisits the events and discusses his guilt of having to do it, but ultimately for good reasons. And then we get Vince Russo, who was also part of the planning that ultimately would end Brett's career in the WWE. So we have the championship title trash edition and to understand the idea behind Vince McMahon's actions on this night you would have to go back almost two years in 1995 when women's champion Alunda Blaze turned up in WCW and literally dumped the WWF women's championship in the trash now Brett is a man of integrity and so the fact that, you know, the Blaze incident had not occurred, I think Vince would have ultimately would have been willing to negotiate. But due to a flaring rival with WCW in these hostile wars of the 1990s and the Attitude Era, it was something that Vince was just not willing to take a chance on happening again with his world championship. What likely hurt Bret Hart is knowing that Vince didn't trust him enough to turn up on Nitro with that title and he would not do business the way that they planned 14 years of dedication wasn't enough while Alunda Blaze had only been with the company for a couple years when doing her actions while Vince should have known that he could trust Brett he just simply couldn't risk it Brett should have known this too he should have known that Vince wouldn't let it happen and that's why he didn't seem overly shocked when the incident transpired it was more of an angry response because they screwed him anyway after negotiating something more. 
in a Lunder Blaze incident, I believe did contribute heavily to the Vince McMahon's thought process and influence on what could happen when Brett was ready to go to WCW. Another item to remember here is that Brett ultimately had renegotiated a new contract with the WWF. And Brett, in that case, as WCW competition kept going, Vince was the one that let Brett out of his contract saying he couldn't afford to pay him anymore. Which then resulted in the Montreal Screwjob incident. Also, we need to must revisit the curtain call. While the curtain call incident didn't directly affect the Montreal screw job, it did play an indirect part. Not only did Vince know that his loyal established superstars would leave for more money, it showed how prevalent in politicking it had become. Shawn Michaels changed his persona to suit the WWS new attitude, insulting the fans' intelligence, so to speak. While Brett kept playing and portraying the family-friendly hero of the 1990s and 80s. Brett knew that Michaels and the clique had politic their way up the ladder to stay on top in the arrogant manner of the Heartbreak Kid in which they went about things rubbed him the wrong way. Brett documents this in his book many times. There was definitely a disconnect in not only the demographics of the company was targeting, but the manner of which they could do business. Vince allowed the clique which is Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, as you know him, and Hunter Hearst Hemsley, now known as Triple H, broke kayfabe on that evening. The clique operated unopposed. They did business for themselves. They took hardly any punishment for the curtain call. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall was already leaving the company, so they couldn't be punished for the situation. Shawn Michaels was the top guy in the Federation at the time, so you couldn't really do much to him. Triple H got buried as the youngest guy in there, and he knew that, and he still withstood it. But Michaels got away unscathed. HBK was invincible because, again, he was too valuable at the time, no matter how degrading it was to the business. Jim Cornette shares his thoughts on the curtain call being very real and how he was very mad that they exposed the business so much. Hart was looking for respect of families and values, but the WWE was suffering with an old-school philosophy that needed drastic change if it was to survive another year under the wrath of WCW. Michaels knew he didn't need to put over Brett, and Vince would never leave back the loyal horse over one that was leaving. The arrogance and the disrespect played an enormous part in Brett's reluctance to negotiate a deal to drop the title in Montreal. We can say that the curtain call exposed the business, and it was never the same once again. But it also proved that Michaels had gained too much power in the WWE. Brett knew this all along, and he wasn't about to roll over just because of that. He knew the tides were changing. Let's look deeper into the feud. And we get a little bit of an inside on the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels feud on a personal level. Leading up in the multiple years, they were always rivals. They worked together a lot, but they always just seemed to be two sides of a different coin. Another factor in this screwdriver was the animosity that these guys shared. With Bret insulting Shawn with his girly magazine comment and Shawn firing back. And that was with a sunny days comment 
It should have been obvious to all that the relationship was broken between the two. They were always professional with each other in the ring, but outside, it was damaging to all involved. They were two of the biggest stars in the WWF, so something should have been sorted between them and Vince. But for whatever reason, they allowed it to fester, and this resulted in a backstage fight where some of Michael's hair got pulled out and Brett swung him around the locker room by it. While they did, they have these guys continue to work together, it was obvious that they had very much heat towards each other. It falls to management to sort this sort of thing out. There's nothing said about whether officials tried patching things up between them, but it's safe to assume they didn't bother when it became clear that Brett was leaving for WCW. Any case, both Brett and Sonny both admittedly denied ever having an affair despite Sean's comments. They were good friends and nothing more. The same can't be said for Sonny and Shawn Michaels, though. They were together th throughout 1996 and early 1997. HBK mentioning Sonny in his promo could have been paranoia tied to the circulating rumors he decided was spicy enough to use for television, implying a guy with a wife and kids was having an affair live on TV, and that it was exceptionally underhanded and unnecessary. But if given the choice, would you put this guy over? So ultimately, this could have been some of Sean's jealousy coming out and using the weapon against him. Next, we get into the creative side of the Montreal Screwjob. This is where the episode runs downhill a little bit. While Vince Russo does chime in with his side of things, and him and Cornette seem to always have a, a items against each other. And they both claim to take credit for the planning of the Montreal screw job with getting Brett into the sharpshooter and then ringing the bell and getting them to tap. Jim Cornette cites previous matches in history of the WWE where this was done with a biting of another wrestler that caused a disqualification. However, um, those were just more really mere references. It quickly devolves into a slugging match between these two about who pitched the idea. Cornette claims again about the Montreal Screwjob in the history lesson, while Russo says he pitched it out of frustration at a meeting at Vince McMahon's house. Of course, both admit that they came up with it and the other is lying. Ultimately, Russo I don't think would ever take responsibility for something for so damaging. Why? Well, because Jim will do anything and everything to piss off Russo. Coming up with a history lesson to make his side sound credible so he can label Russo a liar is more likely the other way around. In booking the creative, as the story was told according to the Dark Side of the Rink documentary, Bret Hart was wired in his meeting with Vince McMahon. And the agreement was that Survivor Series would end with British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart running down to the ring to interfere. And then along with DX running down to the ring and Triple H interfering, causing the referee to lose control and it ended a no contest, according to Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard being involved, he had to clean up the mess that was left behind. And then he was involved in all the aftermath with Vince and how to handle it from a PR standpoint going forward. Speaking of aftermatch, when the match happened, 
Brett was shown in frustration. Sean Michaels was shown looking in feigning ignorance. While Earl Ebner reclaims his thoughts of just wanting to get out of the arena and into a started car. At this point, we get a recollection. Brett said that he was so mad that he broke monitors through $10,000 headsets into the audience. He was smart enough to write WCW backwards so it would show on TV. And as Brett then attacked Vince and spit right into his face. Which transitioned into a mic backstage. The description of the aftermath between Bret Hart and Vince McMahon seemed to differ depending on who tells it. But Bret said the Undertaker was so mad that he kicked over a steel barrel. But he's never admitted to that. And Hart also claims after he got out of the shower that he and Vince went in for something reminiscent of a wrestling lockup and a traditional to a uppercut. Brett recalls the story in his documentary that he seen Brett or Vince in the back room. He went for, he said, if I'm going to take a shower, if you're still here, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And when he was still there, Vince was still there waiting to have a conversation. And Brett went ahead and laid into him. He also recalls that The Undertaker says it was kind of more of a right hook. But The Undertaker was actually the one that went and got Vince to sort all this out as the locker room leader bringing Vince into Brett. Ultimately, Brett claims he complimented Sean for the match, who started babbling under the pressure, saying it's hard to say if it's true, but ultimately Sean was saying he had no idea. Triple H, Hunter Hearst Hemsley, was looking awfully guilty himself, looking very awkward of having to deal with the situation. The Undertaker says he was sitting with Michaels in the other side of the locker room when it went down, despite making up to each other many years later Brett says he is lost sleep regretting not doing more in the incident implying that he should have taken Michaels out as well and wasn't knocking out the boss even enough this would actually spawn into the Vince McMahon character that would debut the next night on Raw we get a nice portion of the Wrestling with Shadows documentary which is an independent filming for Bret Hart, not WWF produced. Some claim the Montreal Screwjob was a work because of the documentary, but Wrestling With Shadows, the recording had been set up many weeks in advance and could be stopped without someone warning Bret of a potential screwjob. This is where the Dark Side of the Ring episode appears in all honesty. They didn't have enough time to get everybody's perspective on it. But for example, we don't hear Bret's take on it from back when he was in WCW or how his family took it over. We hear nothing about what the other talents did like Rick Rude, Davey Boy Smith, Owen Hart, etc. Had to be a difficult time for Owen Hart in the WWE still trying to honor his contract for the years later. Wrestling with Shadows is a long documentary but it does give us a really great outlook and a perspective into Brett's career not just on this night but also throughout his life. Stu Hart was from a different time and his techniques were just from a different era. Brett pays a lot of respect in this to Stu in the dungeon and how he taught and developed so many wrestlers. Wrestlers like Chris Benoit, wrestlers like Chris Jericho. 
and many, many more that came out of the dungeon. We get back into the documentary of the Montreal Screwjob, The Undertaker and WCW's reaction. The Undertaker's um, is opening up about many stories here, but one he recently touched upon was his perspective of the Montreal Screwjob, as he suggested in the past that The Undertaker couldn't understand why Brett couldn't drop the title to him. If there was such a problem with Brett dropping the title to Sean, why not work around it and having the Taker drop the title the next night? He was already involved with them in the storyline, and it made little sense to Vince that he felt he needed to drop the title exactly to Shawn Michaels. As the locker room leader, he describes the overall vibe of how everyone was feeling in the aftermath, and you can listen, you can hear his take on it in other documentaries. As far as WCW, we get Eric Bischoff talking about the entire New World Order opening Nitro, walking into the ring with Canadian flags by trying to avoid the catastrophe with the screw job, WCW used it against him. And after welcoming Kevin Nash, Bischoff takes shots at him. He brags about all the money he can spend in the company he keeps. Next, Eric comes out and Bret Hart because you're such a knockout kind of guy. Hogan laughs at him at, at that initial joke. The NWO has a gift for him. They proceed with a possible worse rendition of the Canadian National Anthem ever in the history of the world. WCW never used Brett properly, I feel. Um, and they actually brought him in a little bit of a heel and then tried to make him a face. And at the end of the day, I don't think they knew the direction, the dynamic of what they could do with Brett. And they had some interesting feuds with him, with Goldberg, which would ultimately end Brett's career in an unexpected fashion. Ultimately, we look at Brett's career being a little disappointing in WCW, but we can't help but feel that it was tainted that night with the events of the Montreal Screwjob 1997 when the wrestling world just got a little bit more real. In 2002, the WWE produced WWE Confidential, a show that was about exposing and pulling back the curtain of the industry at this time. It was a little more acceptable and comfortable. There was an episode on this Confidential show called The Montreal Screwjob. Bret Hart and many others were on hand, except for Earl Ebner, um, to share their side. Michael seemed slightly amused telling it at this time as it, the effect wore off. Like it's still a little bit of a joking matter to him. Gerald Briscoe confirmed that Patterson and many others had no idea what was going to happen. They show a clip to address Vince McMahon and gave it not long after a while. McMahon had a black eye when he showed up on Monday Night Raw. Talking about giving respect to the company that made you. HBK is looking for sympathy in here as he knew he would take a lot of heat for the screw job incident from the locker room and from the guys. And when he asked by Brett straight up in the locker room, he said he didn't know anything about it. Both Vince and Gerald Briscoe put Sean over for being gutsy and courageous to go through with it and think of the company. They claimed to have gone over some protection holds with Michaels in case Brett tried to hurt him during the match. Although we heard the dark side of the ring that he'd always be professional in the ring. Vince says that he allowed Brett to get a free shot at him and that's why he got punched in the face. Again, it's painting the picture of the WWE narrative. 
So I feel like this confidential episode was known to be painted in the picture of the WWE shining the light. But ultimately, it did help show up on Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon. The question ultimately remains, though. Did Brett screw Brett? To be honest, the episode breaks down the concepts. They look at, ultimately, Vince McMahon was doing what we would call his best for business. Based on the Lunder Blaze aspect. Based on WCW struggling and viciously kicking in their door. Competition the likes that WWE and WWF has never seen before. But ultimately, it became more complicated than that. Brett screwed Brett, according to Vince McMahon. But Vince looked at it from an old-fashioned standpoint, and he said, why can't we just do business the right way? Why couldn't we just hand over the title and not lose it in his home country? At this point, I believe Brett really got over with the fans on this. When the day wrestling became real, Bret Hart actually ended up gaining sympathy. And this would actually ultimately go on to create the Vince McMahon character. Let's get into our final conclusions. Before we do that, I want to say thank you guys for following me here on Tap Out Talk. If you hit that like button, it greatly helps me out. Much appreciated. Consider subscribing if you're new to the channel or share it with a friend. You can also follow me on Twitter at the Brian Atkins. And at this point, we get into our final thoughts of the episode. There was so much wrong going on here on all parts. The WWE and the powers that be have so much that they were dealing with in that one night. And ultimately, I think it came down to there was no trust in any of the matter. Brett might have had more of the moral high ground here to live on because he always did very well and was a company guy first. And he even cites putting up company first before even his family and watching his kids grow up. So he never thought that that he would go through something like this. No one wanted to go through this screw job, and if they could, you could tell they would take it back. It's a shame that it happened, but it did change the business forever, and it's something we simply cannot cancel or get rid of. Wrestling was in a downward spiral ever since the end of the Attitude Area, and much of it can be attributed to the fact of, you know, kayfabe and those walls breaking down. It was a massive talking point in this documentary. The backstage news, the dirt sheets. When real life situations happen in wrestling. And now it spawns into the marketed beast that it is today. So ultimately, Vince McMahon did get a new character out of this that would ultimately save the WWE. It was the Vince McMahon character spawned and created from the Montreal Screwjob in 1997 when he said Brett didn't screw Brett, which then would lead to Stone Cold Steve Austin being the counterpart and the hero of the people to Vince McMahon. And this ultimately would save the WWF and get them to win the war against WCW. So the Montreal Screwjob 
ultimately created the end of the WWE. Guys, those are my final thoughts. I want to say thank you for joining me. And remember, it's not goodbye around here. Like, share, subscribe. It's just game over.